And I also, I'm a big fan of rules named after players. Like Sean Avery. You can't turn around and face the goalie and just stick your hand in front of his eyes or whatever. I just loved that there wasn't a rule that said you couldn't do that and nobody thought to do it until he did it. And then just the fucking balls that that took because he has his back to the shooter and there's no there's no padding. Even if there's fucking... You're just getting hit in the fucking foot would kill at a pickup rink. Forget about getting hit in the calf by an NHL slap shot from the fucking point. And he didn't... Get, he was so about winning, he didn't give a fuck. Turned around and just stuck his hand there. I thought it was hilarious. So, um... Anyway, that guy should have a podcast. That guy is fucking hilarious. Um, and if he does have a podcast, please send it my way. I want to. I want to. Uh, I want to listen to that. Uh, he does have a podcast, and that was uh, one of the greatest comics on the planet right now, Bill Burr, talking about my next guest, former NHLer Sean Avery. Sean, buddy, welcome to the show. How are you, man? Good, man. How you doing? Thanks for having. Good. Me. Is that no problem? Thank you. Is, is that a shiner? <laughs> it it is. Yeah. Can you tell me the backstory of the Shiner? Yeah, so um, I uh, I don't know. I guess probably uh, maybe two months ago, I got like this inkling that uh, I wanted to get hockey equipment and, and skate again with bu- my buddies. So uh, I got equipment and um, I've been going through this whole process of like, getting the equipment right. And I've skated, uh, how many times have I skated? I've skated six times. So Monday night was the sixth time that I've skated in 10 years. Like I I never skated once between the last time I played until recently. So um, I started skating and I felt pretty good, right? I'm trying to break in the skates, which is a big hurdle. But now like the last three skates I I'm finding my timing anyway so I think I, I might make a comeback and because of that I started boxing a little and I had a, a hard sparring session with uh with a guy and we yeah we we fucked each other up a little bit so the, well, those well, are the fruits of the labor you're thinking of making a comeback explain that because I think, uh, yeah, so I, I would, you, you retired early, right? You retired when you were like 33 or something, didn't you? Yeah, I think so. And, uh, so I haven't played in 10 years. Um, so comeback would be basically next, I guess, September training camp start. I'll, uh, I'll go as like a walk on to a training camp and uh, to a team and try and make a team. Really? Yeah. That's amazing. I, dude, a lot of people would love to see that. I, I'm one of these people. Um, I love athletes like you because, and I, I mentioned this, we, we had a, a email exchange where I mentioned to you that, and I know you're an elite athlete, so I, I, I am not comparing our athletic abilities, but I played baseball when I was young and I was the guy that was leading off second base, casually kicking dirt into the face of the, of the shortstop. Yeah. Um, and, and, for some reason I was really enthralled with the mental part of sports and you, and I think I mentioned this to you, you have like, if there was a stat for, you know, um, um, how to get into the heads of the other players, like you would be an all time leader and you'd be up there with like Dennis Rodman and people like that. 
How important was that to your game? Are there any regrets? Did you think you ever went too far? Um, like, how do you look at your career as far as that aspect is concerned? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely no regrets. Um, I, I, I don't think I could ever look back and go, uh, maybe, maybe that was crossing the line. I shouldn't have said that to another player. Um, the idea of where the game was at that point in time when I played versus where the game is today, two totally different worlds, right? Like the game today doesn't really have a lot of that because it doesn't have the physicality that the, that the old game had, the game that I played in 10 years ago. So part of my shit talking, I guess, is, is how, how you, would, you would just say that's what it is. That's what it is, you talk shit. Uh, that was part of my arsenal because you know, I was a, I was a small player. Um, <clears throat> I was a small player. I, I was one of the smallest players in a big league, and in a, in a big physical league where size dominates. So for me, that was a it was part survival, part uh, part of my toolkit. You know what I mean? Uh, part of the reason why I, I kind of want to play again. <laughs> Part of the reason is also because my body feels great. And I think because I haven't been hit in 10 years. Um, mm. And I've also physically been taking care of myself, like on a pretty high level. But but part of the reason is because I don't think you would have to even, you wouldn't have to bring that element to the game now, which is kind of nice. Um, that's now, that's not to funny say that because... I wouldn't, but yeah, it, it's not a necessity. And back then it was a necessity for certainly a guy like me uh, because it was part of the, it was part of my toolkit. It's, it's part of what kept me around and kept me effective. And when you were playing, I remember the complaints when you were playing um, about the game was that um, players had a lot more room when you were playing because there wasn't any clutching and grabbing, but I guess what they replaced the clutching and grabbing with were like, were big hits, wasn't it? It was skirmishes, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think the clutching and grabbing was still there. It, I caught the beginning of them trying to phase it out. It took them, it took them six years to really phase it out. There were sort of three different phases where they slowly but quickly really changed the game. Um, Now there's none of it. Now there's none of it. Like and it's actually a beautiful thing. Like I think about it, like it's man, that's exciting to be able to play in that sort of environment where, uh, speed kills and smarts kill. Whereas before it was big, it was, it was physicality ruled. And now Mm -hmm. that's, that's not the case in the game. So that's exciting. That's exciting to me. Um, I, I, I get really excited about it. And you live in Los Angeles, right? Is yeah. Right now? So yeah. would you try out for a California team? Like, is there, do you have a team in mind or? God, no. No, I think, uh, so, so here's, here's the plan right now. Um, I have, I don't know, five months, maybe six months. What are we, what are we? February, March, April, May, June, July, August, seven months. I've got seven months to be 
physically ready to walk on to a, to an NHL training camp. Um, that is a lot of time based on how I feel right now, physically and how I feel on the ice after skating six times after not skating for, for 10 years, like my timing is coming back and it's getting sharper every single time I can feel it happening. It's a very interesting, it's like, uh, it's like a, a Hollywood scene where the guy's breaking out of like the goo that's been storing him for 20 years and he's getting <laughs> his feelings back and he takes a couple yeah. of steps and then he jumps up onto the building like matrix shit. Um, yeah. So I would say three months before training camp starts, I'll pack the family up. We'll go to Canada or maybe we'll go to Minnesota where NHL players are skating for the summer. And um, I'll do like a two-month training camp, get ready for the training camp. And then I would I would walk on in Tampa Bay so that – because <laughs> uh, that's the team I want to play for. It's the best team. Yeah. And it's the best state to live in. And I can wear my fucking Make America Great hats and in interviews. And uh, I can play. <laughs> And, you know, I didn't know that you were a ma I didn't know you were a mega guy. Oh yeah, because I, yeah, because you you don't really associate mega with um, things like like you were way ahead of the curve when it comes to like um, speaking out for marriage equality and things like I, that. I'm a liberal conservative, but you know, so what does that leave me with? That leaves me with a choice. I I have to either choi cho choose to align myself with the Republican party, or I would have to align myself with the liberal Democrat party. And I just can't do that. So I'm a liberal conservative, which, you know, what does that mean? I don't know. You know, I, I think criminals should go to jail. And I think we should uh, have transparency with our government and, you know, live a good life. Like, use the resources that we have, be capitalists, the whole thing. But no, to, to play in Tampa, it's the best coach in the league by a landslide, not even close. It's the best weather. There's no state tax and it's the best team. And that's the biggest challenge. Like that would be like when I made the NHL when I was 22, I made it with the hardest team that you could ever imagine to make it on maybe one of the greatest teams ever assembled. So there's no, like, I, I have to do it that way again. What makes John Cooper the best coach? I think that uh, he has this incredible gift of being able to instill discipline in his players and have them love him while he's doing it. And that's really, that's, that's really the secret. That's kind of the opposite of what, a lot of coaches that you've had in the past were like, were, were, yeah. they were really old school, you know, beat the shit out of you with their words kind of coaches, weren't they? Yeah. And it always implodes, but you know, like a guy like Mike Keenan, Mike Keenan wasn't like that. You know, there's been great coaches that were hard motherfuckers based on the time, but their players would go through a wall for them, you know? Yeah. Cause I know guys yeah. who played for, for Keenan or, um, Pat Burns was like that, wasn't he? Yeah, Pat Burns was similar. Mm. Definitely. I've, I, I I don't know. I know guys that have that have played for him, but, you know, you hear the Pat Burns stories and you see the guys that love playing for him. So, 
So Coop, yeah, uh, you know, also his team plays so much different than everyone else. Whatever he's doing over there, he's doing it on a different level. I mean, there's no comparison between how consistently well they do all the little things just the way they're supposed to be done. They don't, there doesn't see, I, I know what you mean. I, I, I don't watch them a lot. You know, I live up in Canada. I'm Habs fan. I was born in Montreal, but whatever. Um, that you don't, you don't see a lot of broken plays with Tampa Bay was what my gut would say, you know, like no. they are really uh, disciplined when it comes to drop, when they drop the plays, that's what they do. Yeah. Well, they now know exactly what it takes to win. Like they know the style that needs to be played to win. Like it, it, you know, you win one Stanley Cup, you get that, it sinks into your DNA. You win two, you, you really know what you're doing at that point. Um, he's also got superstars to buy into it. And you look at, you use these Canadian teams as an example. Like I watch Edmonton play now. Edmonton is so far away from ever winning a Stanley Cup. Like it, it you can't even... It's it's way, way beyond the it's Mars right now. That mm. Mars is the Stanley Cup for the Edmonton Oilers because their top players, they just don't play the right way yet. Yeah, um, I w- and 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 it, during the pandemic, it's been weird. Um, I've been talking to a couple ex players about how like is it even possible to reach your um, the top of your game with no fans in the stands? No, I, no, it's not. I mean, I, mm. I think. Athletes are very good at adapting to circumstances and situations. It's part of the job. One day you wake up and uh, they tell you, you don't play for us anymore. You play for this other team. It's 2,000 miles away. Move your family, move everything. Like You have to be yeah. there by 4 this afternoon also, by the way. <laughs> so wow. we have the ability to adapt. But playing with no fans, no. There, there's, a, there's a chemical imbalance that just doesn't give you the ability to play your best. Yeah. And that fact, adrenaline. Right. Yeah. The, you no. Know. Yeah. Yeah. Adrenaline, accountability, everything. It's the lifeblood of fucking sports. <laughs> sports was never meant to be played without, you know, gladiators and their fans. Yeah. Then it's just that really shitty fencing, you know, <laughs> they put that <laughs> no one there. mesh up and like, try and pretend like we don't see that the arena's full empty but you know i also blame i blame some of these these guys these canadian owners or tanabon in in toronto they've let this sort of happen i mean in the u.s ultimately the influence of of these organizations certain things weren't gonna weren't gonna fly with them like going a whole season without fans yeah, I remember the playoffs and I think it was was it 2021, I guess, early um when uh when when American and Canadian teams were playing each other and on on the road the Canadian teams were playing against 20,000 fans and yeah. the team and then they'd come to Canada and there'd be like 600 people in the stands and it's like unbelievable. this is fair. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Good. But Canada's, so any... Canada's yeah, uh they're in a movement right now, so that's cool. Yeah, you know, um it might seem a lot more interesting and big uh, where you are than it feels like it is here. Um, 
I was just talking about this on this last po- last podcast that I was on, and um, I'm very careful because I, I I don't want to make it seem like I I want I don't want to paint all of these protesters this convoy with some sort of brush of racism or anything like that. But I also am a little bit kind of confused because uh, these mandates are coming to an end already uh, in a lot of places in Canada. And it's almost like they're 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 a little bit late to the party, I think, uh, when it comes to like protesting this stuff, um, you know, but the vaccine mandates and the vaccine itself. My biggest problem was was how governments, including your government, including the government of the United States and Canada. Um, I, I don't like Justin Trudeau. I, I think he's uh, I think he's weak and feeble. Yeah. Um, I, I don't like his woke politics and I don't like how he, along with many other world leaders, uh, stepped in it so many times and never owned it, you know, put yeah. out contradictory, contradictory messaging and never actually addressed it. And that's yeah. really what pisses me off more than anything. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, there's going to be a, I don't know, maybe I'm optimistic about one thing that uh, the new type of politics, it's going to be a little bit more transparent moving forward as new people start to run. And like, I know a bunch of people that are running for Congress now that uh but maybe they all get polluted i don't know i don't know yeah it's hard to tell it's hard to say like we're pretty leaderless one thing i have to give joe biden is that um i can't tell if (laughs) i can't tell if it's because he really is sort of losing his mind or if he's really just that funny because some reporter the other day like a couple weeks ago was they said something like uh, do you find it concerning that uh, a lot of people are worried? Like a lot of people are worried about your faculties and your state of mind and your your ability to stay in a good mental spot. Are you worried about that? And he's like, I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> Which no, is either I, really funny or really, you know, transparently, obviously horrible, right? Yeah. I don't know. His wife had to help him off the stage yesterday, which is not a, that's never really a good sign. Not for the... Yeah. Not for the world leader, but no, it's not. Yeah, I love Joe. Um, and uh, I just want to put a picture because I was trying to figure out. I was like, is is you know, I always like to make sure that the guest Vaughn isn't divorced from their last wife. Yeah. So I started looking up pictures of you, and then I started seeing all these pictures. I don't think that you were ever involved with this person, but I thought this was an interesting picture, right? That yeah. I just think it's like okay. I remember that girl when she was like two. But this is this is your family, right? This is your wife right now, right? That's my wife, Hillary. Yeah, yeah. She's beautiful. Um, I th- and you got two kids. One kid. One kid. And and how old is he or she? Uh, my son Nash. He's uh, I think he's about to turn eighteen months. Yeah. Wow. Oh, you're yeah. right in the thick of it. Oh yeah. How do you like it? Uh, it's it's amazing. It's a lot of work. Uh, I don't want more than one. But I think one is perfect. <laughs> is there a part of you that wants to do this comeback so that your kid can see you play? Definitely, yeah, now, for sure. Yeah, I think it'd be um, a, f- a fun experience for him. I wonder if it's going to change how you how you approach the game a little bit. No, I think... Uh, <laughs> Good. No, I think... Uh, no, because, you know, listen, I... I there's certain certain things that I think you can instill into your child when you're a professional athlete and they can see it versus when you're not like there's just something different. They, they see something so close. 
on a on, on such a heightened level that it it changes them. You know, like I I know I, I don't know what the numbers are, but I know a lot of professional athletes that have raised like pretty awesome kids. You know what I mean? And now yeah. I definitely think about the future, right? Like being a parent now, I, I think about being a parent in the sense like I have a responsibility to make sure that my offspring adds value to the world we're living in. That's a really good way to, to approach both fatherhood and, and the example that you want to set that. So that's a, that's a good message for sure. Um, do you, if he did, let's just say, let's just play hypotheticals and, and say that he was in junior hockey in, in, in like 13, 14 years or whatever. And um, would you want him to have the same game as you like, like that mental game, that sort of smart ass mouth, you know what I mean? To get into the heads of the other players. Like, would you be beaming with joy and pride yeah, or so do you kind of hope that he doesn't like, uh, you know, cause there's a part of me that always wonders, especially when it comes to players like yourself, are you your own worst enemy sometimes? Are we all <laughs> our own worst enemy? You know? A absolutely. But I also think that, um, like I had uh, Theo Fleury on my podcast uh, this week, and it, it was really one of, the, one of the first times that I've spoken to somebody that was wired similar to myself. So I, I understood all of the nuance and the reference and the gray area that he was trying to explain. If Nash wanted to play like me, I just hope that he did it or does it better and harder. Like, I don't want him. Yeah. If, if he's going to do it, then do it better. Right. What would that entail though? Cause, cause we only saw like the fans that watched you play or the, it, we, we only saw what the cameras and the announcers were, were sort of reporting on the things that we could actually see with our naked eye. But there's a lot more going on on the ice, especially when it comes to yapping and getting into people's heads. How, like, I used to think that, like, if you're a professional athlete, there's, there's no way a guy should be able to get into your head unless they make it personal. Was that the key ingredient? Um, well, everything everything's personal, right? Like, everything, any sort of, to be a good one, yeah, it has to be personal. Otherwise, it's just generic and it's, like, doesn't make sense. It's nonsense. Um so to make it to make it effective you need to have something across from you you need to have friction like that's your material that's everything that that you need to say is it surprising that that some professional athletes like i was i was able to get them off their game no it doesn't we're supposed to not but you have to understand when 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 stress and emotion and levels and the friction is at such a high level, there's room for the veil to be pierced a little bit, you know, because you're, you're already in a heightened state. The stakes are extremely high. Um, it's a recipe for, for boiling points. So the good ones didn't have the ability to get rattled. Like I, I will say the, the great ones like uh, Brett Hall or Nick Lidstrom or Stevie, Steve Iserman, those guys never really lost it. Right. Mm -hmm. But th that's the best. That's the highest of the, of the high. 
Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Kundal, and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network. But it's I like how you use it as I like how you use it as fuel, though. Like that, even the game that you're that 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 was that spawned the Sean Avery rule. Uh, I'm going by memory, but didn't you have like three points? You scored a goal on that play or the very next play or I something like that scored. in that game. Yeah, I yeah. definitely scored. Um, so that's that fuel that you're talking about, right? Like you, you're it was I don't know, was it Luongo? I don't remember who the goalie was, but no, Broder. Broder, um, that's right. Yeah, it was. Uh, Look with me. I think it's it's different. It's so different because so much of it was was survival related, um, and maybe I'm making that up to justify. I I don't know, but it was a fucking it was a mean game back then. It was a really yeah. mean game. It was a mean spirited environment. Like you hit guys to hurt guys. You hit guys solely focused on like. How do we get this guy out of this playoff series? That was game plans. They were built really? around that. How do we wear down uh, Rob Blake? How do we hit him, Scott Niedermeyer? How do we like? How do we all collectively try and abuse Scott Niedermeyer so much that he doesn't play anymore? He doesn't play as good. Right. That that was part of the game, right? That was like part of the game plan. So. I, I think that, uh, yeah, it was just a different time, man. It was a different time. It was a different time, you, but it was definitely fuel too. Why did you retire? I didn't want to play anymore. Really? I, and yeah. you were like, just you were you're probably still in your prime in a sense, like at least age wise, you were you were at least maybe at the tail end of your prime, but you probably had a good four or five years left, right? At least. Yeah. Yeah. Easily, like, how do you easily. walk away from something like that? Because that's like your childhood dream, you know? Well, I had played since I was, you know, six years old, four years old. Um, and I, I think that uh, I didn't feel like playing anymore. I felt like doing something else. Something else was like pulling on my on my heartstrings. Um, and yeah, it was a weird time. It was like. It was also a weird time before that 
the league kind of did this this crazy shift and morph in that time. Uh, like it was it was really starting to change. But yeah, I didn't feel like playing. I think what's wow. interesting, and even now when I think about it, like prime, it's funny. What is what was that my prime? When I think about it, 32, like physically. Could there be something today that I couldn't do physically? Like I could when I was 32. It's interesting. I don't know. I I, I might I might find out. You know, yeah, speed would be the first thing that I would be like, okay, are you how fast are you going to be? You know, but and then you have to be, I guess, a smarter player. I don't know. Like, well, you're automatically a smarter player because you're older. Well, I shouldn't say automatically, but I, I can tell that I am already. Um, speed, I can feel it. I can feel it. There's an elasticity. There's these first three strides. Like, I, I feel it. It almost feels like I've, I've been storing some of it up. Um, and I feel real bouncy and violent, and it feels good. Have you spoken to any coaches or anybody about possibly trying out or anything? No? No. No. I don't think anyone will, will believe it until probably July. Well, July. Yeah. In July, I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll take some videotape um, or there'll be some video of like a, me scrimmaging somewhere. And yeah, that there, there's going to be a moment where everyone's like, oh, fuck. fuck. Oh, it's going to be fucking so predictable, too, dude. Like you're going to have like, you know, every bad thing you've ever said on highlight reels and every like that goalie thing that with Brodeur that they're going to recycle that for like a week at a time. And they're going to talk about Evander Kane and they're going to talk about how will you do does, does Sean Avery even deserve a second chance in the NHL. And then you're going to have to have like your image softened by showing pictures of you and Nash and your wife. It's so predictable how the media is going to treat this, but like I'm rooting for you, brother. Like, I mean, I think if Chris Chelios can play till he's like a thousand years old, I'm sure you can play when you're 41. No. Yeah. 42 42 now not only that oh you yeah not only that but i don't know if anyone's ever taken 10 years off and then come back and played i doubt right? it in any sport you know what you're doing you're you're creating the seeds for the eventual sean avery movie on netflix I'm pretty yeah. sure that's what's happening here yeah or lifetime so Actually, you went there's a, you, kurt, there's a kurt warner movie coming out that i think disney did that uh i think I, yeah i saw the trailer for it um looks what was interesting. his story again was he arena football and then made it in the nfl is that what that yeah was? yeah i think he was like bagging groceries too oh well that's good there's a couple yeah. players in the nfl right now that should be bagging groceries so that's yeah. interesting <laughs> um we, so you so you retired at 32 33 and then you went into fashion. And this is what another thing what I love about you, especially now that I know I didn't realize that you were um, you were sort of like a, a, like a Trump guy or a mega guy or whatever. Um, I don't judge people for stuff like that, by the way. But um, I, I, I like how eclectic you are. I like that you're an NHL player who is ahead of his time when it comes to gay rights who um who who identifies politically sort of if he had to pick with like the mega side um and 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 to be like really interested in fashion like you are eclectic and um so the fashion career that you've had or or the or, or sort of embarking on the fashion world from from when you retired to now give me an idea of how that's worked out um 
did it meet your expectations? Is it a lot tougher than you thought? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it was. I I don't think. Basically, what happened when I stopped playing, I went and started working for a friend of mine who had an advertising agency, um, and it was a very it was very creative. It was very interesting. It didn't last that long. I did it for two years. Um, while I was playing, like I did that, I did an internship at Vogue when I was still playing for the Rangers. That was that was something that I did. That that was really just like me being interested in stuff. Like I was always interested in stuff, and I always thought that there was going to be stuff that I needed to figure out how to do once I was done playing. So while I was playing, I took advantage of situations and popped my head in and out of as much stuff as I could. And I think that's good. You know, I think it's good for life, just for evolution, understanding things, being open minded. You know, I think that's I think I think it's really effective. And there was you dabbled in the film business, too, didn't you for a bit? Well, for the last um, probably four years, all my time has been spent on becoming a working actor. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah. You had a couple roles too. So that, that's really, that's really where I, where I've spent a lot of my time and most of my, my energy on, um, right up until today. Like I have this morning, I've been reading, trying to memorize lines for an audition that I have to do on, uh, tomorrow, tomorrow's tomorrow, Friday. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <coughs> so that's, you know, for the last two years, that's really taken up all my time. Uh, that that's been the majority of my schedule, like learning mm -hmm. how to uh, audition, and then this normal grind of like trying to break into a a, a brand new business and an art form, um, and doing it the same way that I think pretty much everyone has 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 done it, like. And casting, mm -hmm. casting directors uh, probably don't know, uh, some of them might, but like most of them probably don't know that you're an ex-NHL player though too, right? So like you're, um, not, you're not going off your name necessarily all the time? No, no, definitely not. But I think that, uh, I think that it, I'll tell, I'll say this, the, the casting directors that have taken a shine to me and hired me, have are, are a small group and they're all like they're they're the same they're you know i have like two or three that are in my corner and part of the reason i think is because they admire the story and they like some of the attributes that that past life brought um and and you know they've been helpful invested and, and kind of like uh a part of the journey. Um, I think everybody for the most part now knows because for the last two years, I've been auditioning as regular as you could audition. I mean, I much more than I think most contemporaries that are my age that are breaking into this business. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I think it's also part of the whole process. Like I, I think that 
the energy is making me and has made me pay my dues and cultivating this craft and figuring out how to do it. Um, and then you just got to wait and then something has to happen, right? It's got to be the right, it's always about this, the right thing. And we're also in a weird time right now in this business in the entertainment business, certainly with minority, um, requirements and and yeah it's 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 a crazy time and it's a very difficult business to break into but uh, yeah yeah equity the concept of equity in art it's always been a little bit weird to me like right yeah i mean i you would say that 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 hampers creativity because the, the best creative should win right sort of like sports um yeah, I'm reminded of that Matt Damon clip from uh, that show. I forget what it was, but when they were creating screenplays and talking to directors and he he happened to say that, um, well, I'm going to judge this screenplay on on the work, on its merit. And he was called a racist. Yeah, <laughs> I was just like, you know, what if he picks the one from the person of color? Is he still a racist if he wants to go by the work? It's, so it feels like people like people people really get into this weird state of mind where they want to do good so bad that they yeah. do something completely ridiculous. Yeah. Right? Well, that's kind of where I, I think that there, I think that the industry is shifting out of that thought process or trying to figure out how to do it because the content is suffering. Totally. I mean, it's all, <laughs> it's a woke world, baby. It's a yeah. woke world. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the biggest show on television, Yellowstone or 1883, um, are the furthest thing from, you know, being woke, but they're just telling stories and those stories include minorities, you know, whether it's um, Native Americans, American Indians, or, um, you know, gypsies and Jews and, you know, in 1883, making a pilgrimage. Like, yeah, the good stuff wins. The good stuff wins. It's always, nothing good has ever been woke when it comes to TV and films. Nothing. Except maybe kids' movies or something because Sopranos changed television forever, right? Because then you got the birth of the anti-hero on television and he yeah. was a horrible, evil person, but you were rooting for him. And then came Dexter and The Wire and Boardwalk Empire and all these awesome shows where you're rooting for the bad guys. That is yeah. the complete opposite of woke. You were never going to vote for the, for the hero who stays polite and stays in his lane. <laughs> it's not going to work. Yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah, you're right. Look at Heath Ledger and, and Batman playing the joker or or or, or yeah or uh, um what's his face uh phoenix playing the joker yeah um, and and how he was accused of uh how that whole film was accused of being an incel movie i remember that i forgot about what? that yeah that was uh, I'm sorry i don't mean to remind you of some of the no, that, biggest load of bullshit that was like i've ever the beginning seen of but... it. that's when it that's when it that was like the beginning of the beginning sort of um but, you know, I think the good thing now is that it, certainly for me, uh, it's all so obvious. You know, I, I don't get fooled by anything anymore. So, yeah. Um, 
I want to circle back because I just you said something before, but I, I kind of missed my opportunity to ask you about it. But it, do you have any like um, does anything stick out that maybe fans wouldn't know about? Give me like a moment on the ice where you uh, and I hope it's Eric Lindros because I went to high school with him and he's a fucking he was a fucking asshole back then. I don't know what he's like now, but he was he was a horrible human being back then. Um, but whatever. He was 18. Um, but do you have any memories that stick out of sort of getting into the head of a player and who that player was and what happened? Or, or is it a blur? I don't want to put you on the spot, but, you know, no, no. I, I, well, I always remember uh, there was a story that uh, Elvis Stoiko like beat up Eric Lindros in a bar once. I always heard that story. I don't know. If I it think was... that that was banana something. It was in Whitby because that's right. Yeah. We grew up, by the way, like five miles away from each other. Uh, you went to Dunbarton. You lived in Ajax or Pickering or something. Pickering. Yeah. I went to I went to Henry Street High School with all the Austria Generals. I lived in Whitby. I grew up there. Um, Got it. Which is yeah, which is which is great because I know exactly what kind of upbringing you had and what kind of high school Dunbarton was and uh, and and where the fights happened uh, in 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 Ajax at Dennis O'Connor and places like that. Like I I, I was like. Yeah. I, I was this wannabe badass when I was young, but, um, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, no, are, I, I think, uh, oh, fuck. There's so many, there's so many, um, <laughs> it's like every game, right? <laughs> I think there was a funny, there, there was definitely a funny moment. It was sort of a, a moment that I can remember of a, of a shift when I'd gotten traded to LA and we came to play Toronto and I came with my girlfriend at the time who was a very famous Canadian actress and we were on the front page of the Toronto Star and uh, <laughs> I just remember like how we were dressed and and that was kind of a, for me that's sort of like a definitely a defining moment in the journey of becoming a villain. Like, I think that was, that was an interesting time. Um, because you were like the guy from the away team adorning the front pages of the home team's newspaper. Is that? Yeah. 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 And I that's was a good way to get into the head. And I was from there and, you know, so yeah, that, that was kind of, I, I always look thick. I've thought about that. That, that was interesting. That was an interesting time. That's funny. It, it just reminded me of this. Um, in 1994, when the baseball strike happened and my Montreal Expos got fucking robbed of a World Series title, I went to see the Atlanta Braves play a three-game set in Montreal at Olympic Stadium. And we had tickets that was kind of like down the right field line. And David Justice was the right fielder. And after game one, we went to a store to buy beer, bring it back to the hotel. <clears throat> and I saw Playboy with Halle Berry on the cover, who was David Justice's wife. Yeah. So uh, for game two and game three, whenever David, <laughs> such an asshole, whenever David Justice will look up into the crowd, because I was in, we were in the front row, I would just hold up a picture of his naked wife <laughs> to see if I could get him uh, into his head. Probably an asshole move, but he did look up and smile and shake his head and then blow a bubble at me. And then he never looked up again. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I could see David how Justice. that, that uh I, I was 18 man you know yeah like, <laughs> it's good though that's what you're supposed to do make the atmosphere that's that's what we want as the as the opposing team we want that yeah some fans are or some players aren't like that like was it lebron james who i respect obviously he's the great fucking amazing athlete 
but he got two fans ejected from a game like yeah, a that, couple months ago. Yeah, that's not uh, that's not kosher, you know. The 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 <laughs> Michael Jordan would have never got two fans kicked out at, from the game. He would have just talked shit to them the whole game and used that to get him fired up to yeah. bury fifty on the opposite opposing team. Yeah. They don't make them like they they used to. LeBron James it's, is not a, you know, he's not he, he. I wouldn't wear his jersey. No, I know what you mean. I, there, there's no like um, blue collar players. I guess I would call them. Like I was a Knicks fan growing up. Yeah, and they had every blue collar player, and they and like Charles Oakley and Anthony Mason and like John Starks and. Ewing, like they they were like a team that was like we're gonna bruise people and, and yeah. we're gonna like try to shut down but they never won a title but but jordan would play in detroit and there would be that you remember that fan that sat there and read the jordan rules from right beside right behind the chicago bench he would literally take the jordan rules book and when jordan would be sitting there and he'd be like like reading the book out loud really loud right in front of him and jordan would just sit there with his gatorade and just sip and like nothing was happening and he yeah, was just so mentally strong yeah and he you know we, he had the ability to honestly click this button inside his head and just turn his ears off and just didn't who's matter who's a better player gretzky or lemieux uh i mean i think you have to say gretzky just from uh just his longevity how long he played he wasn't hurt as much as mario statistically he's better um one more cups i believe so yeah um i started off this podcast we're gonna wrap up soon i uh with uh with bill burr um talking about uh about the sean avery rule and he also said at the end of that um i hope he has a podcast because he's funny as fuck so you do have a podcast don't you i do yeah 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 can you just tell people what that is and we'll wrap uh, yeah, no gruffs given. It's uh, every Wednesday we drop it. I drop a new episode. Sometimes I have guests on. Sometimes I don't. Um, and I would say that it's probably everything that you would expect of me and a podcast. It's very on the head. Uh, maybe not though. You know, I don't know. You were a lot more tame today than I thought you'd be. I thought there'd be a little bit more fireworks, but you're, you're being very polite, you know, yeah. with your, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't, I, I you didn't have to, I, I should have given you my bio. You would have been like, Oh, that fucking guy. Okay. Okay. I'm going to take off the collar. It's going to be fun. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I feel, I feel good. You know, I feel good. I feel good. Life is good. <laughs> good. Um, well, listen, uh, thank you for letting us know that you might be, uh, you you'll be uh um hopefully walking onto a training camp um i'm gonna write about that probably publish something tomorrow now that i know i feel like i'm breaking the story in a sense so uh um listen man i i wish you luck thank you for your um for all the times that you entertained the fuck out of me in the exact way that nobody else could um really really you know appreciate you coming on the show and, and uh, i'd love to have you back sometime i appreciate it i appreciate right. it I, uh, let's do that all right thanks man thanks thanks Guys, that's Sean Avery. Um, yeah, he, he, he look. Uh, there is no stat for mental game, and uh, and and that guy, that guy brought it. <clears throat> um, really appreciate having him on the show. It's too bad Bill Burke didn't stop by. I did send him the link, guys. I tried to like hustle uh, a fifteen-minute Bill Burr segment uh, to go along with Sean Avery, but that's cool. Um, thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll see you next week. Have a good one.
Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app. Come on, let's go to the blue hotel I wanna live at the blue hotel The podcast that goes everywhere the imagination dares It's for the open-minded The pleasure seeker It's Jeff Woods with the new podcast about relationships and sexuality, theme-based with special guests, Blue Hotel Hotline, and every episode climaxes with an adult bedtime story. Get a room and listen in at the Blue Hotel. Begins Friday, September 23rd.